Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. On this week's episode, the guys go over the difference between affordability and affordable housing, while also talking about what it looks like to convert commercial buildings into residential and how that might help the inventory issue we see in the United States, all while enjoying a bourbon that found its home in Fort Collins, Colorado, Old Elk Distillery's Straight Wheat Whiskey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and as always, I'm here with... Jameson Amaros. Oscar Barra. And on this podcast, guys, we drink bourbon, talk about real estate, and just do it all for you. I wonder how many people listen to that and go, that's really what these fuckers do? <laughs> right. Like, just drink bourbon. I do that in my fucking living room. Yeah. Make a podcast. That's right. Make a podcast. That's kind of how this became. We'd actually say, we'd love to see it. Are you, are you between 30 and 45? Make a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's adulting, okay? Make a podcast, go golfing, and yep. uh, start smoking meat. Yep. All the cool kids are doing it. No, not the weed, the podcast part. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The weed part's yeah. been around for a while. That's, that's just Colorado well, people. And guys, don't forget, we post our episodes every Friday on every uh, podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Android, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you'll be able to find us. And you can find us on YouTube at Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective. We have a bunch of videos on there for you from community spotlights, new build home tours to the video version of this podcast. The, and the, the short one right? last week has uh, gotten some, some traction on that 8%. Yeah conversation mm-hmm. we had so oh yeah you guys haven't uh checked that out do it's episode 44 40 no 43 43 this is episode 44. yeah this is episode 44 uh, 43 mm-hmm. and you know interest rates haven't changed so it's still relevant right yeah well and i mean honestly guys when it comes to the podcast i think i think we're doing the bourbon part right yeah uh yeah. we are super excited about <laughs> we are that. pumped yeah so um as like you guys Christmas. know we, we can't say we are sponsored by but but i mean we close. did yeah. receive a yes. bottle from, thanks to Charlie. Well, I was going to say, so to Charlie. We're, we've been getting lucky. Um, I'm doing my videography stuff on the side here, too. And I reached out to Old Elk, which is a distillery based out of Fort Collins, to see if I could work with them in videography. I Not said it their... sucks to be a CSU. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, but That's I my reached house. out, talked to, the, talked to the marketing manager. Um, and uh, Mrs. Crump is her name. And she said that she watched some of the videos that I sent her of the podcast. They really liked it. So... They love to send us a bottle and, and let us try it. And they actually sent us four. Nice. So stay tuned. We got some old elk reviews. I mean, why as well just do like an old elk series yeah. over the next four podcasts? Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that works that. for me. That would be cool. And then what mm-hmm. we should do is on episode five of the series, we'll do a blind taste test. Ooh, there you go. So we'll just have to make sure we don't drink all of this yes. at yeah, well, the same time. Yeah, and don't worry. It's coming home with me. So Perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. but I think that'd be cool. So we do, we do, we do four. Yep. And then on week five, we'll do a blind taste test in actually see if our ratings like match it. up with and, and what's mm-hmm. it's coming home with me we we okay we do finish the bottles at home <laughs> say, oscar and i finish the bottles. <laughs> he's gonna finish yeah. it if i buy it i'm gonna yeah. finish it at yeah. home it just, charlie, charlie it'll, preserves it it'll okay? sit it'll yeah. sit for sure charlie, uh, the, the heat it's it's it kind of it's gonna be loud or yeah well no we'll be all right with the heat in here okay it's, it's all yeah. good we got we got this, it um, a little bit of if you guys haven't taken a look or if you're not in colorado we just went from that fall to winter jump that happens in five days yeah it fell off a cliff <laughs> yeah we never rough. transition no. smoothly into winter no here it was Colorado. 60 and then seven yeah it's yeah. like okay i'm gonna change the leaves you're gonna get a little bit of touch of fall and then the next day bam winter yeah. bitch yeah. that's kind of how it exactly works in colorado it totally yeah it was everyone. like a mike tyson knockout this week right. it was yeah. wild yeah yeah well and i mean what's what's cool about it is as it gets colder we got you know warm bourbons to, to heat us up and in all in all reality guys the even though this just so happened to happen at the right time for us where we got the bourbon, we get to review it. Looking into it, Old Elk has a phenomenal 
kind of background and, and story with their bourbon. So I, I did uh, take some notes on oh, it here. Oh, wow. So, so I know Jameson normally does hey, the... No, he has, he has yeah, his little I caddy, his caddy notebook. Yeah, I got my notebook. Yeah, all, and all I, I've never had Old Elk. <laughs> I've also never had Old Elk. And they're Colorado. I've never had Old Elk I've never, I, mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's interesting for both of you guys because they are extremely accredited. All, yeah. all the way back to, I think it was 2018 I saw um, on their website. But the most recent one, this one that we're drinking today um, is actually the, the Old Elk Weeded. Okay. So this, this build of a bourbon is 95% wheat, 5% malt and barley, right? So the reason that they do that uh, is specifically because where they source their wheat from, it's a Mississippi red wheat. And that wheat is actually used primarily in uh, like cake flour, pastry flour. So it has a little bit sweeter of a note. Got it. And where Old Elk really gets their claim to fame, other than uh, their... Their master distillery has been doing this for 20 years. His yeah. name is uh, Greg Metz or Metzi. I apologize, Greg, if I messed up the last name. But he's been doing this for 20 years. And he actually, they trademarked a proofing method. And it's called slow cut proofing. So basically, a normal bourbon, what happens is they get distilled. And then as they're trying to get the proof, they add water, right? And when you're doing that, you basically have a large vat. Then you have all this heated water that gets poured into the bourbon. But as you can imagine, what ends up happening with that hot water, when you pour it in like that, is it dilutes and it destroys some of those, those more subtle, neat flavors in the bourbon. That makes sense, yeah. Right? So what Old Elk does with their slow cut is, I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, so they actually put in the water incrementally over like weeks, where normal bourbons do it in days, mm -hmm. two days normally. These guys do it over weeks. And the whole reason is because it keeps the liquid cooler, so it preserves a little bit more of that sweetness, a little bit more of the, the flavor profile to the bourbon. And it allows them to control the proof better than almost any, any other bourbon. Mm. Um, and so it, this one, like I said earlier, the one that we're drinking right now, won double gold in 2023 in the Whiskies of the World competition. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as Jameson's pouring this out, we did get the neck pour through, and even with the neck pour, I'm I mean, excited. The heat, the heat wasn't there. Right? I love their stopper, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the wood stopper. Oh, it's cool. If you guys look them up, they actually have uh, on some of, their, some of their bottles, more premium bottles, they actually have like a, a golden stag on, as the as the. Cap. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks awesome. I was hoping that they would send one of those with it, but hey. Gotta, so gotta be grateful kinda, for kinda the kinda like what's, yeah. the, uh, what's the difference of a weeded bourbon? So this is, like I said earlier, this is a 95% wheat, only 5% barley. So there is no corn. Right. So there's, it's, there's no corn whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the corn, you'll find those in higher rye mash bills. Yes. Which we know the difference. Like mm -hmm. if you talk about a rye bourbon, for the most part, it tends to be a little bit drier. Not, I wouldn't say harsh, but the palate is definitely sharper than a weeded bourbon. So if you get a weeded bourbon, you should expect some, some more, you know, front end sweetness. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then absolutely. You're saying it takes it to another level because the type of wheat they use mm -hmm. is specifically used for like pastries, cakes, exactly. all that fun stuff. Yeah, Got exactly. It. And Interesting. I mean, if you guys, you know, I, we said Dude, we're drinking old The color on this is just, I know. yeah, well, was, that's what I was, was going to say. Right now. On, the, on the video, you guys always get to see, we do a, a close up shot of the yeah. bottle so you get to see the color. But if you're listening, this is the one of the darkest yeah. bourbons that we've had. In, yeah. And I mean, this one will be bourbon 44. And it's kind of a reddish. Yeah, yeah almost a bit what, of red. um, What's the aging process for these? Yeah, so that's actually, uh, thanks for bringing it up. That's, a, that's an amazing uh, tidbit on Old Elk. 
they do not age for anything less than six, six years. years. So, I mean, stuff. we've had bourbons that are three years, three years, and, years. and tout to be, you know, the yep. best of the best. This one's at six years with the slow, the slow cut process. I mean, everything that they do is to preserve the flavor in this bourbon. Um, and just based on the accolades that they have, I mean, mm -hmm. think about it like this, guys. They have an entire page of their website that is dedicated specifically to the awards and the accolades that they've gotten yep. for this. So, nice. I mean, it, they're, they're tried and true. They, they've been around, right? Well, I think it's, I appreciate the, because whenever you talk about making something, right, craftsmanship of anything, more often than not, the more care that goes into crafting anything, mm -hmm. it's going to be a longer process, right? So the fact that it's a six-year versus a three-year, yep. the fact that they do the slow-cut process versus a normal distilling process, like those are all things that add time mm -hmm. and cost, I would assume, yeah, right? well, yeah. to mm -hmm. the making of this bourbon, yet they'll do it because they believe in the product, the product. and what it is once exactly. it comes out. Quality. So to me, mm -hmm. like, you know, that's... Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And guys, yeah. just we, you know, I don't, we don't have to say it because we give a fair rating to pretty much everything. But just like the uh, the whiskey cartel, whenever we rate this, we're not we're we're, we're not going to take into account that they give this gave us Correct. this bottle, right? When I talked when I talked with uh, with Sarah, the the marketing director, I, I let her know like, yeah, please feel free, send us some send us a bottle, some and but please be aware that we're going to review this to our palate and, and what we think. because yep. we've had a few that the the ten horsemen. 12 horsemen. 12 yeah, horsemen. It was yeah. great story. American. Mm -hmm. I was like, I really hope this is good. I, I really wanted to really like that bourbon. And Same with Long Branch. Didn't yeah. work. Matthew didn't McConaughey. Work. <laughs> right? I love that <laughs> dude. <laughs> so, Wild turkey. We got to be fair. And I'm still, waiting, I'm still waiting on something to beat for the price, Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. So, that Town well. Branch was good. Town yeah. Branch was good. But I'm, I'm interested. Absolutely. I didn't have the decks, or I wasn't here. So well, and, and that's where I'm, I'm, we're going to hold off like we do. We're going to hold off on the pricing of this yeah. bottle until the end, because obviously that does play into the rating. One dollar, Bob. Over, overall. Yep. Um, but I'm excited to see how this one opens up. And I mean, just the, the flavor alone. I mean, they're, they're doing so many good things with this. I mean, the bottle, the branding, uh, d just having a trade, literal trademarked way of of proofing mm -hmm. it is is incredible, right? And like you said, it, it costs extra, but you can see it. And I mean, just in general, we talked about this a little bit before the yeah. show started, but it's it's a heavy, you can see that it's a heavy bourbon. Like mm -hmm. it sits on the glass. There's, I mean, little to no It legs. doesn't run down right away. No. It sits in the glass almost thick. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Well, and guys, while we're enjoying this, this bourbon today, um, we're, we're gonna talk about kind of, an umbrella topic of affordable housing um, and some things that we've seen recently. And if you pay attention uh, to, you know, the housing and urban, urban development, if you pay attention to anything in that realm, you might have seen that uh, President Biden and the, and the administration just kind of allocated it and basically said that they're going to focus on uh, retail and commercial spaces and basically flipping them. So we want to talk about just affordable housing in general. We have a full episode on that. Please go check it out. But we're going to do an overarching kind of theme of affordable housing, then talk about one way that they're trying to kind of combat this, and that's with the commercial. But Office to multifamily conversion, Yes. which going forward, we're going to refer to as OTM, just to make OTM. it easy. Okay. But Sounds office good. to multifamily conversion is what we're talking about and what's going to be funded. And if it makes sense, and we're going to kind of go through why, and Charlie's got a great example of this. A lot of people hear affordable housing, mm -hmm. 
but I would venture to say 80% of people don't quite understand affordable. what affordable yes. housing actually is. So we're going to go into it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've got plenty of experience, especially with Oscar and, and, and where he came in. The freaking uh, government doesn't yeah. know what. Back in the way, the HUD housing legit. and whatnot. I mean, so. it, just because of the guidelines, man. Yeah. It's so impossible mm-hmm. for someone to even go in there. I mean, we've talked about it in the yeah. past. So we're going to go through that and make sure that you guys have a really good understanding, mm-hmm. right, of what you can afford versus what affordable housing, housing is, is exactly. so that it's very, very clear. And yeah. obviously, as we say, I was always, guys, if you have questions, leave them in the comments, mm-hmm. reach out to us. But, um, I mean, I think it's, I think I think we, it's time uh, to get into this thing. Guys. I think we right. get into the legs. The legless with Well, cheers. Oh, and on this cheers. episode, because last episode, cheers. Um, because last episode that town branch opened up so well, we actually have JC's cup here. We yep. poured it before. We're going to leave this open for the entire, yeah. and then we're, we're, we're going to kind of sip it um, and see how it goes. But just in general on this, you know, like we said earlier, the color on this is amazing. I mean, the clarity of it in general, there's some, there's some, you know, some stuff in there as far as filtration, you know. I think that was your glass because this one's clear. Is it clear? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I actually, I cleaned mine's, these beforehand. Mine's but, pretty clear. I mean, it. Overall. It wouldn't surprise me, though, because of how thick it is. Yes. Like, it's probably a lot harder to distill that out. Yeah, Which absolutely. I think could add some character. Well, the, and I mean, the nose is really sweet. I was going to say, the nose is super sweet. And it's 100 the, proof. The, yeah, it's right? 100 so proof. So it's a 50%. 50% Which burn. we've had 50% that mm-hmm. burns, and this does not. No. That's sweetness on the front end. I mean, if I, if I take a big, yeah. like, just bury myself in it, I can get a little bit. I don't know, bit. I can stick my nose in A little bit, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, you get in there... <laughs> That was not the burn. That was, that was me just joking. Um, but yeah, that, that, that caramel vanilla up front yeah. for sure. I just, dude, when you swirl this glass, I wish you could like get like a close up of this. Right. But you get these lines around the glass, right? And people do it with wine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just doesn't run down the glass. It, no. It just sits there. Yep. And it takes some time. Wild. I mean, just the, the, the flavor, the, the notes in general. I actually have the notes here, so I'm interested. I want to see what you guys say okay. um, about the notes, but. Definitely the vanilla, caramel, and I mean, just, I don't know, honestly, this is one of the few that I can, I can actually smell the wood. It's almost at the back end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get that, mm-hmm. you get that more. Which would make sense, right? It's a six-year mm-hmm. aged bourbon. Yeah. So it's interacted with those barrels for six years mm-hmm. with, like, with their slow cut process, there's not a lot of water interfering mm-hmm. with that chemical reaction that happens. Better. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Which is interesting. A lot of tequilas are, are going to that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They're they're finishing their tequilas in um, whiskey bourbon mm-hmm. barrels. I mean, this is like right here, just off just off the nose. Like, imagine making a maple syrup with this. Yeah, like, <laughs> that would be. I don't need more mm. reasons to drink. Right. <laughs> you know, bring me that bourbon whiskey maple stuff. I'm gonna put on my pancakes. Right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and take take my sip of it. I already did. It's pretty damn good. It's really refreshing up in the front. You know, you take some of the. Some of the sips and you're like, bam, it hits you with the alcohol or whatever, you know, profile that's very abundant. With this one, it's, okay, it was refreshing. Yeah. It was, whoa, I didn't get any of the front end I get the punch. charcoal on the back end. Mm-hmm. Not, well, I mean, not overpowering, but there's a little bit of an aftertaste, which I like. Yeah. Um, the, it's, it's sweet forward for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, but, also, but there's enough, I mean, the alcohol kind of cuts the sweetness, so it's not overpowering. Yeah, and I mean, it, it just... From the first sip alone, you definitely get the, like, it, it's funny, you know, on a lot of the ones that we, uh, we, we talk about and we review, we don't really, we don't really talk about like mouthfeel. Mouthfeel is something that's interesting to me when it comes to bourbon and notes, but yep. 
except for our one episode where it was creamy. <laughs> um, I would venture Never to say again. that this one sits heavy on the tongue, but in a good way. Yes. Like it's not, it's not in any, any kind of a way. Like it's just like eating your, eating your tongue. It doesn't, like, it doesn't fizzle away. No. Yeah. Yeah. It stays. Yeah. It stays. And I'm trying to figure out what flavor this is. I want to say it's, I don't want to say it's a peat, but it kind of lingers kind of like when you're I drinking get a, scotch. I almost get a little bit of a tobacco. Yeah. Is it a tobacco to leather it, kind know? of mix? Um, I don't know. But I, I get, I get vanilla and. Or maybe it's their wheat that they Vanilla and kind I think of dried it's the fruit wheat. on the front end. I think mm. it's the wheat. Yeah. Because, I mean, even for being a weeded bourbon, I'm still getting that um, that kind of tightness on my tongue that yes. we talked about last yes. week. But it's at the back end. Correct. And you definitely, like, if you breathe through after you take a sip and it's been sitting, the sweet is forward, mm. but then mm-hmm. it comes in the back end with that wood flavor. Yep. Like, you actually, like... I don't know how to explain it. And I think, Oscar, that's what you're trying to talk, like, what you're trying to put your hand on is like that it's a dryness mm-hmm. almost as if it's the wood. It's the grain of the wood. And it's not like a, a bitter dry. It's like kind of like a dry wine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it still lingers. Um, I want to yeah, say it's more. It doesn't tighten your taste buds up at all. Mm-hmm. It just sits. It's, it's kind it of sits. like a, like a walnut. Yeah. Like yeah. A, a woody walnut, fruity kind of bourbon. I don't yeah. know. It's kind of different. It's I, like I, in a good I, way. Yeah, I keep well, getting that no. just tobacco back in a little kind bit. Kind of like, yeah. like, I don't know. It's pecan yeah. pecan uh, shells, you know. You, you, I love it. I love it. Oscar. All right, you ready? So in the, hold in on, the taste. Hold on. Before you, you yeah, go right, in there, go, kind go. of like the pecan shells, like when you would buy pecan to smoke something. Yep. But kind of fresher. Yeah. Like pecan all shells. Right. It's weird. Guys, Oscar just, Oscar just solidified it. I know he's usually the grass clippings guy and all that, but dude, you did good on that one. So... The, the aroma is soft honey, fruity, cherry, vanilla, oak. Yep. That's what the nose is supposed to be. Now, the, the flavor notes, warm, peach, dried fig. Mm. Ooh. So okay. I yep. think that's where you're getting that, yep. the, the walnut. Vanilla, oak, and then I, I, I haven't seen this, but it makes sense. Yeasty cedar. Okay, that that's, makes sense. I, yeah. the cedar that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. It's like, a, sense. yeah, that makes sense. A cedar, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Absolutely. That's, I mean, on a, Again, Old Elk, thank you so much for, for sending us these bottles this would be a great, to review. This would be a great cigar pairing. Yes. Well, actually, it's funny that you say that. So I actually met these guys at the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival. Oh, okay. That's how I got their contact. Um, I was there as a vendor, and I walked up to them and said, hey, you know, I'm a videographer. We do a podcast. Oh, cool. They gave me, gave me their card. But as I was looking, they actually have a cigar cut mm-hmm. is one of their premiums. Elk does? Yep. Old Elk has a cigar cut. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's, that's just like a kind of side video that we do on TikTok. Yeah. Maybe we just do like a pairing with, the, we just do cigars and then, and see if we can get our hands on that cigar cut. But I mean, it just, you can definitely taste the, the passion that goes into it. Like, the, oh yeah, for sure. there's a very distinct flavor difference. I mean, just for being a hundred proof yep. and like, yeah. Before I forget, I have the perfect place to do a cigar pairing, a, a cigar shop down in old Littleton Inglewood area. All right cool spot kind of this kind of feel perfect place for the podcast i like it i like it we all right smoking should, room. yeah let's do that let's let's get on that but i mean i'm excited i'm gonna leave mine for a little bit i know we have the one opening but i'm gonna leave it for a little bit because i'm not gonna lie last week blew me away like again yeah, the, the, how, the, yeah how down branch opened yeah. yeah it went from a it went from a bourbon i wouldn't buy again right to one that i'd be like okay i'd bring this i bring this for a get together um but now that we got through the bourbon, again, Old Elk, thank you so much for sending us the bottle. We can't wait to get you the videos and, and get you the reviews on it. Um, but t- 
Today's topic, affordable housing, and basically what, what, what's being done to, to help affordable housing. Now, the reason that we wanted to bring up affordable housing, what you think it is versus what it means, is because, um, as we said, I live in an apartment complex. Right across the street from my apartment complex, they have two new build communities, they have apartments going up, and I'll throw the photo up on here, um, on the video, but there is a storage container, and somebody wrote, um, build affordable housing with a with a frowny uh, face a frowny face yeah. right the thing that stood out to me about it the most was that housing was spelled completely wrong um H-O-U- yeah <laughs> h-o-u-s-e-i-n-g yeah there was no housing. z right no, yeah. z no, no right um but uh, it just it just goes to show like you know when when the general public thinks of affordable housing and, and as it should be you think oh homes are going to be affordable that's what affordable housing is and that unfortunately in, in the scheme of what affordable housing is, is just not what it means. Yeah, so Oscar, why don't you take <laughs> us through, like take us through the difference between being able, just affordability, if you're shopping for a home, versus affordable housing, like actual affordable housing. So affordability is, starts with the lending, right? So um, the bank, I'm gonna summarize completely. Uh, your down payment's gonna structure what you can afford as well, five, 5% conventional, three and a half percent FHA. More than that, you can always bring in everybody. I mean, throughout history, 20% was what everybody wants, right? But those are stipulations. VA is 100%. Now, the bank doesn't want you to pay more than, there is some exceptions, 50% mm-hmm. at the high end of all your credit bills and your housing of what you make. And then you have the front end, which I think it's about 32 to mm, 35-ish of what your mortgage is to what you make, right? right? Yeah. That's affordability of what you can buy. So right now, what in on average, you have to make $120,000 to afford decent home, a single yeah. family resident here well, in Colorado. So, and so just to kind of- so That's to, affordability. I was right? gonna say, to summarize that, basically what Oscar is saying is, whatever money that you make annually per year, 30% of that is what is thought of as you know, I don't want to say normal, but they want 30% of your annual income to go towards, or less, to go towards your mortgage payment. So what you're paying to live, Correct. right? And that, that's what the definition of affordability looks like in the housing market. Now, when it comes to affordable housing, Oscar, what is affordable housing? So affordable housing is pretty much an entity or, for, or, or, or government entity comes in and says, all right, so this group of homes or this house, we're gonna throw some guidelines to, you're capped out at an income level. You can't make over this much money, depending on your household size. Uh, if it's just one person, two, two people, you can't make more than this much. If it's more, up to seven or eight, it goes up. So there's guidelines and stipulations per home. And that yep. affordable housing goes, Per home, per unit, per building, mm-hmm. and that's what affordable housing yeah. is. So, like, if you were to build a townhome right now, right? So, let's say you're just you're subsidizing a, a development project, and I want to build a, I don't know, hundred unit townhome, right? I'm a developer. Affordable housing means the guidelines mean that thirty percent of those units have to be classified as affordable housing, which means they have to be sold at a capped price mm-hmm. to a very specific. Uh, segment of the population yep. that has to make underneath a very specific amount. And then they have to apply and validate and verify that that's what they make. Affordability means 
well, these townhomes are $300,000, but interest rates go up. You just physically can't afford it mm-hmm. because you don't get qualified, like Oscar said, via the lender. And then you have to take courses, Correct. right? Chaffa courses, first-time yeah. home buyer home mm-hmm. courses for affordable housing, which there's a third part of this. I mean, a lot of people think affordable housing is going to be like Section 8. Mm-hmm. Or, or HUD housing. Yeah. Or, yeah and, and there's also transitional housing. You know, mm-hmm. th- none of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Affordable housing has to do with a certain individual that can fit a certain criteria for the home. And right. I think that's, I, Which I think I that's think a great th- point. That's Oscar. the biggest flaw yeah. for me with the yeah. affordable housing. Well, and that's, yeah. uh, that's where the, I think that's where the disconnect is, right? Mm-hmm. So people go, well, I want people to make more affordable housing, mm-hmm. but that person who's making as a, as a couple, let's say $170,000 a year. And they're frustrated because there's not something they can afford within their price range or what they want or what neighborhood they're in. They're going, we'll build more affordable housing. But if that is... They won't be able to buy. Exactly. If Mm. they do build more affordable housing, those individuals can't qualify for that house anyway. So it doesn't help the problem. Yes. When you you complain about affordability, you got to understand, we talked about this last week, it's driven... Affordability is driven by three things. Interest rates, housing prices, and wages. Mm -hmm. That's it. So unless one of those three things change, the affordability question is always going to be there. And it's probably going to be there like we talked about for the next two to three years. But... Be careful when you say, well, they should build more affordable housing because most of the people I know, I could build all the affordable housing per the government guidelines that you want. It's, you can't you're not going to provide it. And if they do end up increasing that, that wage gap or whatever it is, the qualification uh, um, uh, guidelines, I don't, I don't know if that actually helps. And I'm going to say a little bit of devil's advocate. Be, be careful what you want. Right. Yeah. Because then that's going to take free commerce out. Mm-hmm. And then the government's going to start subsidizing. The government's mm-hmm. start. Then you don't have control of your own home. Yep. Well, well and, that's, so, and that's an important thing. So to know. when you say yeah. control your own home, though, here's something interesting, right? Most affordable housing, if you, this fly is going crazy in here. Most <laughs> affordable fly housing. We're in winter. Jesus. Right. So the, one of the reasons people buy homes is because they want the appreciation, right? I want to buy a house. American dream. And I want it to appreciate four to seven percent every single year and after five years i have enough equity i can sell that house i can take my equity out and then i can go and purchase my dream home or upgrade home or i have a kid and i can upgrade whatever right most affordable housing if you purchase it caps how much you can make Mm -hmm. once you're in that house and it is significant because they want to keep it affordable Mm -hmm. so the problem is people go well hey let's just build more affordable housing have it subsidized by the government but maybe raise the income limits so that more people can get into it, which is great, right? That, that's a good idea. But then understand that those people that are making that money, let's say they have a kid, they go to sell that affordable housing, it's capped for 25 or 30 years and how much you can make it or you can make off of that. And if it's not enough to where you can sell it, take those proceeds and go buy the other house, what's the point? Mm-hmm. If you bought an affordable, house, uh, affordable housing home three years ago, say you bought it, round numbers, $200,000. Three years goes buy mm-hmm. i bought the, uh, i bought a home in the area now my home is three years later is worth four hundred thousand dollars more than what i bought it i'm gonna make four hundred thousand dollars in equity when i sell my home i'm gonna place that into another home boom forever home whatever in your case three percent a year maybe 25 <laughs> percent of what the market's doing yep so let's use round numbers if i made four that means your house is only worth a hundred thousand dollars more right Mm-hmm. that's affordable housing. Yep. The guidelines are there and it's, it's not, it's, it's a bigger picture of where we need to be as an industry for the consumer. If we have 
the government you know, subsidize or get involved, there's going to be a lot of guidelines that are probably not beneficial to the consumer. Yes, you're, you're going to have a roof over your head. If that's all you're looking for, great. But they're going to take a lot of your, your money, your rights, or whatever you want to look at, and they're going to put heavy stipulations on them. Yep. So How much money you can make to who can live in the home. Yep, exactly. Yep. So now you let's, can't have renters. So let's take it this way, right? So the reason we brought this up, and Charlie, I want you to dig into this, yeah. is the the article and the act that the Biden administration passed was centered specifically around converting mm -hmm. commercial real estate, unused vacant buildings, which if you guys have paid attention to the news or even driven downtown or you work in the workforce, you guys know that vacancy rates right now in commercial real estate and commercial buildings are at record highs and mm -hmm. there's foreclosure and all that kind of stuff. Which you so, would think they would have looked into a long time ago because remember- Greedy. Yeah, well, do you remember that big building by Invesco Field? Yep. That's micro apartments. Yes, yep, yep. Yep. How good did that do? I don't know. I don't know right. the numbers, but hey, yeah, but kind of worked. When it with, comes with, to again transitional homes, that's right. what they're doing now. When it comes to subsidizing those types of programs, the Biden administration is trying to bring in something that may help. Yes, essentially alleviate our 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 uh, supply issue mm -hmm. by saying, okay, if we've got you know a three hundred and fifty, uh, I don't know, office building, mm -hmm. how can we convert it to Multi-family use, right? Yep. So OTM. Yep. Put me in, coach. So I've done a lot of, I, I, I think I'm going to go into politics. I, yeah, think right? I, I think I can fix this. I really do. Because I did a lot of work with Habitat for Humanity back in the day. A lot yep. of my charity work went with Habitat for Humanity. That model still kind of works. And I think I could put something together that would help bring in more affordable houses. Not affordable housing, but affordable houses. I think I could do it. Yeah. And I think okay. the problem is... It works on like a very, very localized level. Yes. But if you look nationwide, if we're down three and a half million units, mm -hmm. right? And even with new construction, they would have to build at four times the rate they are building now just to catch up within the next two years. The only way to do it is big money. And yep. unfortunately, that's subsidizing. And I think that's what exactly. you wanted to talk about yes. in this article and what the Biden administration is trying to do. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I mean, if you've, been, if you've been finding, if you've been following anything that's been going on, I mean, even... Uh, we, we posted, James and I both posted something about it on our TikToks, but RFK was running under the Democratic Party. And he's like, well, I'm going to bring back 3% uh, three percent gover government subsidized mortgages and all that. And it's like, okay, well, I, I, I appreciate where your head's going, but at the same time, check out our TikToks, not going to work. But anyway, what Biden, what, what the Biden administration, um, and again, Biden administration, this isn't Joe Biden sitting in a desk going, I know what I can do, administration, right? What they, what they just did is they allocated $35 billion to transportation-oriented development projects, okay? And you go, well, what the hell is that? They're going to build more trains? They're going to put more buses in? No. What you got to think about is a lot of these cities, you think about San Francisco, you think about Denver, New York, um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, like all of these cities that are struggling with commercial buildings, a lot of the housing in these cities are based around transit and, mm -hmm. and being able to get around out of the city to the, the rural suburbs, stuff like that. So they're allocating $35 billion to, in order to incentivize these, these cities and towns to now utilize to do these conversions, okay? And these are the three main hopes of why they did this. The first one, Jameson touched on it, is it hopes to increase the housing supply because as we've said regularly, we are down significantly and that's one reason why the home market is, is looking the way it is. There's just not enough for people to buy. Second, they want to encourage state and local governments to improve their zoning. So what a lot of people don't recognize is 
a lot of states and cities alone, and Boulder here in Colorado is a perfect example, right? Everybody knows Boulder, Colorado, but Boulder, Colorado knows that it's Boulder, Colorado. Now, Boulder, Colorado is just, I mean, prime time. Yeah, and, but they, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. I, but, by the way, side note, I've, I got his glasses from Blenders on pre-order. Nice. I'm so fucking Hell excited. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to do a close-up. I'm James so excited. Glasses. Oh, I'll never but take them off. Boulder knows. Like, I mean, it, so much so that when you go to Boulder, if you look at restaurants, some of them even have plaques on the door that says, you cannot film in here because Boulder is one of the most scenic cities in the Midwest yep. because of being on the front range. So they actually have zoning in the city that will not allow a certain amount of residences or homes to be built. Correct. And that is something that has... Well, they, they hit that cap almost like three or four years ago. Yeah, yeah. and again, we talk about yeah. hyper-local. Yeah. I think Lakewood was not was mm-hmm. not issuing any more building permits. Yeah. They yeah. Boulder stopped issuing exactly. building permits almost four or four, yeah. so, four or five years. Yeah. Lakewood so, follows suit. So basically what this is going to do is it's going to incentivize towns like Boulder, like Lakewood, that are going, we're too big, we don't want to grow. Uh, check out the Castle Rock Community Spotlight. It's coming out on the episode. But Jameson also talked about how they wanted to limit at 170,000 mm-hmm. residents in Castle Rock. But that's exactly what we're talking about is these state municipalities or the, these town municipalities have to open up the availability to build in order to add. And I mean, due to construction costs, and Jameson's gonna to touch on this a little bit later um, when it comes to costs overall, but they this could help because now they have financing, they have funding that's gonna go towards it, right? Um, and again, I, I'm i a little jaded. I've been in the business so long. I know a little bit more and it, it kind of scratches surfaces of stuff that I've already been through. That's why I say, mm-hmm. I think I have a better plan, but um, so, when you when you talk about transit, right? Yep. A big red, uh, a big hey. Remember for me is barrier barrier free homes. I was in the barrier free home around for a while. What mm-hmm. that means is there is a waiting list of people that have disabilities that need to be around transit, mm-hmm. like a certain amount of of of, of, um, of distance from transit that are in a wheelchair or have some kind of disability. That's why they're called barrier-free homes. So I, I, I was part of a group that was looking for ranch-style homes that have accessibility for people with disabilities that are close to transit. And there was a big pocket of money for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of the stuff that, that, the, that the government or the Biden administration is looking at, there's a bigger picture that could have been looked at, touched on, and kind of merged in hybrid to the situation yeah. we need right now. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of pisses me off because yeah. obviously you've been in the business for a, a, a little over a year, a year, um, Jameson, a couple of years. I've been through the trenches and I've seen a lot of the things in real estate that have been overlooked that mm-hmm. can be brought back in to fix a lot of the issues that we have right now. Yeah. Well, and to your point, Oscar, that, that's exactly. So how they're going to do this um, is they, they opened something or made something called a community development block grant. Okay. So um, basically that is for HUD, the housing and urban, urban development. Um, and what it is meant to do, it is meant to give a fund in order to, for the acquisition, rehabilitation, conversion of commercial projects to residential. So basically how that's going to work is, and, and this is very important, there's $85 million that developers and these companies can apply to to take part of this grant and then use that to develop commercial properties. And the reason that I bring this up is because Denver, and and as I was doing this research, Denver is actually in the top three cities for low inventory, but available commercial space. Right yeah, now. we're short 175,000 units in Denver County alone. And mm-hmm. so zoning itself would open itself 
to this, right? Yep. Yes. Mr. Kroenke is doing away with um, Elitch Gardens. Mm-hmm. All going to be redeveloped. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and so I think that's going to be it's wild. Incentivize because a lot of these people with a lot of deep pockets have a lot of commercial industrial buildings mm-hmm. that they can't do Correct. any residential. Right. And what are they going to do? They're going to take the depreciation on it. Yeah. They don't want to build. It's going to cost them more money to build these offices out and then maybe make a profit. Mm-hmm. Then, you know what? I'm just going to take the hit on the taxes and do the depreciation. I'm going to save money. Yep. So they're looking at the saving money instead of trying to spend money to make some money. Well, and I think... So the zoning is key there. And I think the, fun, the funny thing is, you know, referring back to the, to the spray painting that I talked about, build more affordable housing, is a, a note of it is, like, the disconnect... From the public to the, these higher sectors that are making these decisions, like I understand, like the fall of Rome happened after dissemination of information, after everybody got access to info, and I feel like we're seeing the same thing happen with social media. Everybody's getting this information, and they're forgetting, like you're allowed to have an opinion, but there are people who have been doing this for a lifetime that are making these decisions. This is not just Joe Blow. And again, I know you're going to say, "Here, Charlie, you just support the government blindly." It's, no, but I've been to college. I understand what training and, and what knowledge does for you. And at the end of the day, they live in the United States too. So it's like, I'm not, I don't expect them to just be like, yeah, screw everybody. And the reason I bring that up is because a lot of the time we see implementation of these things, the, the government, state, local, whatever, federal are going, here's something that we're gonna do, how, how deal with it, fix it, right? The one thing that I really did like um, when I was looking up this, this plan that the administration has is, they're going to release a commercial and residential resources guidebook for these companies, for these, for these people that go through 20 different, cover 20 different federal programs and go across six different agencies. Mm-hmm. So they are gonna create a step-by-step guide on how to apply, how to, how to go about the zoning, how to go about just this whole process to make it easier, right? And we talked about how commercial buildings are now blown out and, and just vac- vacant. They're losing money on them, right? So just, just as an example, okay? So um, back in August, there was, a, there was a study that was conducted or finished in Denver. And basically what they did is they took vacant um, commercial properties and they took a look at the ones that, they, they started out with like 20, 26 to, to uh, 35 different properties. And they looked at the ones that would be the best for residential conversions, okay? So they focused on 16 different buildings um, in Denver when it, when it boiled down. And what that came down to is it would add over 5,000 units alone in downtown Denver. Absolutely. I, converting these 16 buildings. I see that in clear daylight. And, mm-hmm. and you out of all of us should know that all buildings coming from New York yep. can be residential. Exactly. Half the shit in New York, you're like, that, <laughs> that's residential? Yep. It, anything could be residential, Well, I mean, just right? a perfect Incentivize example. Incentivize these people yep. to move their, their, okay. their, their, I think, their things. I think a glowing example of what could happen with commercial to residential, if you've ever driven down 25 around the city of Denver, you have seen Turntable Studios. You have seen that building. That was a music production commercial building. They took that, kept the structure, but it's all apartment buildings now. You know, yep. so it's, it's just, it can be done, right? And I know some... One thing that we need to talk about is a lot of people are going to go, okay, it's going to take 5,000 units. And you're already seeing, especially here in Denver, the new mayor that got elected, he's really riding on a camp. He, his campaign was fully based on we're going to fix the homelessness problem. Yeah, he's at 1,000 people. 
Right. Right. Mm -hmm. As of right now. Yep. That's what, that's his focus. Yep. And, and basically this is exactly what he's planning on doing is he's converting an old, an old commercial building. La Quinta Inn or some. Yep. Some Mm -hmm. motels too. Yep. Transitional housing. Into transitional housing. And, and so, I mean, that makes me happy to know that Colorado, Denver is kind of right on track at the perfect time with all these grants and things coming out. But what I find that people are going to, are going to question or think about is, okay, well, what about, you know, like, Rent is gonna rent. Rent's already terrible. So you're gonna tell me there's gonna be more more places to rent. So, yeah, absolutely. We want that. We want more places to rent because it it generates more competition. And I'll tell well, you what, guys. Well, puts downward pressure on exactly on rental prices. Yeah. Well, and and, and the housing. Yeah. Well, and exactly. And that's that's the thing that we see is normally when the housing market is bad, you're gonna pay more for rent. But that is solely reliant on inventory. If they have way more way more inventory yeah. than people then they're going to need to get people in, so they're going to need to be more competitive with their prices. Look at it as a cool-down. Yep. It's going to cool-down the market across the board. Not, not freeze it and then it's going to turn into something else, but it's going to maybe cool down the market, less competitive, maybe rates will get better, um, more people have somewhere to live, which at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that's, my, that's my primary focus. Right. Like, it, it, it hurts... So it hurts my heart to see people. Well, and here's here's the problem. That's just a that's a basic human need. Yeah. Is having a roof over your head. Here's the problem. The problem is, we are. I equate it to. You guys ever watch the um, documentary on the Barrel Man? On what? The Barrel Man. No. That. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rides a not I'm, not the Bronco Barrel Man. Okay. The, the dude that gets then. in a barrel and goes over the Niagara, Niagara Falls. Falls. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right? Didn't he, didn't the first guy to do it slip on a banana and die? Probably. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm but, sorry uh, about I, my useless facts, but. I did, but I fell asleep on both. Well, the barrel man, either way, Bronco the premise and- is dude gets in a barrel, floats down the river, goes over Niagara Falls, survives, but scary drop, right? I, we are in a spot right now where as a, as a housing market, we're in the barrel. Mm-hmm. And the Niagara Falls is the explosion of the housing market. Yeah. Uh, it's the explosion of the housing market and the affordability that we're talking about. We are, right now, we're coasting because... Home prices have essentially started to drop or stagnate or at least only increase 1% to 2%, but rates are still high. And what's going to happen, the rule of thumb, is that for every 1% that rates increase or decrease, you either price in or price out about 5 million potential home buyers. That's huge. Okay? And what, what the scary part is, is we're coming up to an election. We've got maybe two to three years to figure out this inventory problem. But if rates go from 8%, which is where they're at now, to 5% on simple math, we are talking about unlocking 15 million home buyers like that. And what we don't have is we don't have a cushion on inventory. Mm -hmm. So the scary part is people are crying, oh, rates too high, I can't afford anything, blah, 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 blah. But if we don't solve both sides of the equation, I'm sorry, put it plainly, you guys are all fucked. Yep. Um, well, and you're fucked because what's going to happen is you're going to have 15 million buyers flood the market. You're only going to, you're, you're still going to have a shortage of three and a half million homes, which means now we need about 18 million homes just to break even. You think, you what do you think is going to come through for home prices, right? <laughs> We're going to see just like we saw during the pandemic, 15, 20, 30% prices appreciation. So here's where I think the, one of the cruxes of the problem is that people don't talk about. We've got, we know that in order to change Zoning laws, regulations, getting bills passed, it requires voting, right? Mm-hmm. It requires voting. Mm-hmm. And right now, we've got two of the largest 
demographic groups at complete odds with one another. Mm -hmm. You got the millennials that want to buy homes. And in order for them to buy homes, it needs to be affordable. In order for it to be affordable, we need more multifamily, more density. We just do. (laughs) You've got baby boomers who have upgraded to their dream home on their quarter of an acre and will complain on next door that there's a development going in and they want to vote against the zoning changes Mm -hmm. to allow more housing. So like, if you think about it right now, we are at such a weird (laughs) standstill where I've got 68 million baby boomers. I've got 73 million millennials. Millennials There's that many baby boomers still out? Yeah. We're we're still (laughs) large. Millennials are still larger, but millennials will vote. Baby boomers, like give it 10 minutes and that's going to go down by like 10 grand. (laughs) Right. But millennials will vote to have those ordinances in Mm. place. Baby boomers will always vote again at by and large against those because they're not planning on moving. So they don't give a fuck what happens to home price They've and home valuation. If anything, it, it benefits them yeah. that their home values are increased and they can take out HELOCs and mm-hmm. do upgrades or whatever. But then millennials are sitting here going, wait a second. The only way to make it more affordable is more density and more, more houses. So we need to vote for these bills such as one that's making its way through Colorado right now that yep. has uh, an increase in inclusionary zoning ordinances that allows denser, uh, denser building and more multifamily. And it's basically from nine units and above, right? For multifamily. Mo- the baby boomers are going to go, wait a second. I just saw this in Parker actually out in the Pinery. And they were like, I can't believe it. I used to drive down the Pinery Boulevard and all I saw were these deer and elk and trees and mm. blah, blah, blah. And now there's these Richmonds putting these dense... Hun- yeah, I, they are I, because I, like, ready? Like, blows my mind. dude, we still have population growth. Like you, you people are still having babies, kids, <laughs> grandkids, etc. You people, they need <laughs> a place to live. But I, that's why I'm my, I'm nervous mm-hmm. because I see us approaching a time and place as the economy starts to settle down. We find this magical neutral rate number. That's not going to stimulate the economy, but it's also not going to put people out of business and out of jobs. And we're fast approaching where that is, mm-hmm. right? Within the next two years is, is the best guess. Once that happens and rates start to drop and we don't figure out the inventory problem, you're just going to price out 73 million. So I, well, I, don't, and, 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 I don't know, dude. I don't know I forget, how it's going to work. There's, 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 a, uh, there's a lot of factors to what you said. Um, one was you know, the rates and what they're doing. They're trying to tank something to fix something, right? They, they, they can't, and it's not working. Well, right now- People are still spending. To, yeah. You said the GDP was up. Yep. People are still spending. Mm-hmm. The rates suck, and it's not working. Whatever they're doing to try to price and cool down the market, well, it's not people, working. More people spent money in, in Q3 on so, going out to restaurants than the last three years. Okay. So <laughs> very, very quick side note, and I'll let you can continue, because I think this is kind of important. The, and I, I heard this the other day on a podcast. I thought it was fucking brilliant. What the Fed is trying to do is they are trying to figure out what the neutral rate is. Mm -hmm. And the beauty about figuring out what a neutral rate is, is it's not a definable number. Like you'll never see it, right? But what I heard, and this is probably the best comparison I've heard, is this economist equated it to trying to measure a metabolism. (laughs) And as you're younger, you can eat more, you can exercise less, and you won't necessarily gain weight. And as you start to get older and your body starts to slow down a little bit, all of a sudden you start to realize, I either have to exercise more or I have to eat less in order to maintain. But if you go to a doctor and you say, hey, what's my metabolism? They're going to go, you either have a high metabolism or a low metabolism. Do these certain things and we'll try and get into balance. But there's not a magic number, right? It's not like a cholesterol level. It's not like it's a case, blood pressure case level. By case. It's, it's case by case. And what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to figure out what the metabolism 
of the economy is. And that's what the neutral overnight fund rate is. Mm -hmm. And what we're starting to see is it may be higher than what we thought it was pre-pandemic. But in order for them to figure that out, they have to raise the rate. They have to see, to Oscar's point, what breaks. They have to stress it. Mm -hmm. And that's where that magic number is going to sit. If we approach that magic number before we solve the inventory problem, it's, it's going to be ugly. So a couple of things I want to touch on. Pandemic, dark horse. That is the one thing we never uh, calculated into any of the uh, things oh, yeah. that we're doing now. Because what did that do? It affected work, the job sector, right? And it, uh, we, it affected we, we, we over... <laughs> We got a little bit overzealous with interest rates. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're not going to spend a little Let's overzealous drop them to two. A little like, overzealous. Really? I took full advantage of that shit. Okay, so we're going to buy fifteen and then what, what, what trillion mortgage-backed securities. What, what else happened? Why are there so many commercial buildings vacated? Yeah, because, because of the want pandemic. Back. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted to come back to work. Yep. So many people figured, hey, overhead, don't need to worry about it. People can do this from their homes now. Mm-hmm. The internet. So that factors in. Yep. There's a whole lot now. To your point, um, hyper-local real estate. So Colorado has always been, this has been my home. I was born and raised here. We've been a very big little city. We were meat and potatoes. We had the Broncos. We had the Nuggets. Um, The Rockies came in the 90s. Uh, Avalanche came around. Shut up, man. I love I love baseball, but the Rockies, man. I need I need to have a conversation with management there. Yeah, we got baseball but uh, so and then Avalanche, right? So we've been we've been a very little big city, right? Oh yeah. Um, I think those are the growing pains that we're having now. We're not New York. New York will build. You give them ten square fucking inches, they're gonna build up and and stack yeah. people in. Colorado, we've been very you know country. John Denver, Rocky Mountain High. You know mm-hmm. we're we're a big city that. We really didn't have big city problems for the longest time. Yep. We started bringing in the ballet, more big shows, Broadway. Um, our, our sports franchises grew. We won some championships. Now we're starting to feel the growing pains of a big city, as we should. Mm-hmm. Colorado's not a New York. It's not an L.A., but we're starting to see those and kind of problems. Oscar, I love it. I love it. Thank Exact to your point, let me go ahead and back it up with some numbers, right? So we talk about housing, we talk about inventory, we talk about renting. So as of right now, resources state the the latest projections for Denver is that rental properties and rental, you know, apartments, condos, whatever it is, are going to double in Denver in the next two years. So that means if we're sitting at 20, you know, let's do 5,000 units available, that means that we're going to have another 5,000, so 10,000 units in, in the matter of a year and a half, almost two years, because of initiatives like this, converting buildings. But like we were talking about earlier, okay, now what, but rentals, it, rent is so expensive. Guys, if we add another 10,000 units in the next two years, do you understand the competition that that's gonna drive for the rental market? They're gonna have to compete. And I will tell you, they're already having to compete lower prices to get people in. So if that continues to happen and we have more, rentals are gonna get easier, then guess what? More people are gonna wanna rent because now it's cheaper to rent again than it is to buy. So guess what? That's gonna take off a little pressure from the real estate market. And if now if we have the perfect storm of rentals going up and home inventory slowly rising or staying where it is, 
it's going to create a better opportunity for everybody because there's going to be more available to rent, more people can live, but then also those prices are going to be lower. So guess what? Now you can save for your down payment right. to put into the housing market that is going to be a little bit less competitive because more people are renting. Hyper like, local stuff too. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, we're freaking out, right? Okay, so 20 years ago, 8%, 9% rates. Here in Colorado, houses were 100,000, yep. 200,000. And we're like, well, we've never seen anything like that. No, we've never seen that in our market. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? The prices that we're seeing here in Colorado at 8% existed in California mm -hmm. 20 years ago yep. when rates were 8 and 9%. So they figured it out. Mm -hmm. We just need to figure it well, out Well, not here. only that, but if you go from, from an affordability standpoint. Two and buy downs were very, very, the, very, very common in California at that the, time. Uh, the most recent decade from a housing standpoint, housing market standpoint, that reflects affordability in conjunction with home prices is the 1970s and 80s. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And we got through that because we had an explosion in inventory. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point, actually both of you guys, because you said hyper-local and you're talking about, you know, we're, we're talking about how Colorado is a little big city type mm -hmm. of thing. So the population of Colorado is what? Five know? million? Less. Like 4.2 million. I was going to say 4.2. Uh, for the, for the, the for, I round up. Well, for the state. Yeah. Okay. For the state, we have 4.2 million people in Colorado. <laughs> How many of them live in Denver, Mexico? Well, hold on. Yeah. No. So now let's compare it to Los Angeles. One city. No. Manhattan. Just, I'm just doing Los Angeles Manhattan. because you brought, up, you brought up California. Okay. So I'm just yeah. doing Los Angeles. Los Angeles has 3.9 million people in that city. Mm -hmm. We have 4 million in Colorado. Houston. So, yeah. Oh, the, the Houston. Well, look at Phoenix. The Phoenix yep. metro area yeah. is, is, lar is, I think, 5.5 million. And that's insane. That's over, that's over the entire... So the point is, we have to come to some sort of understanding. Mm -hmm. And what people don't get is we have a lockout, lockout issue right now. Mm -hmm. Rates are too high for people to sell, is what it is. It's going to affect inventory. We have builders that are trying to catch up, but you've got issues with zoning that we need to change to make mm -hmm. sure that we can Permit. add affordable housing, right? Affordable housing. And then you've got baby boomers versus the millennials argument. They're like, I want more housing. I want less housing. I want to keep Colorado how it is. Something's got to give somewhere, otherwise, it's we're going to just be treading water, mm -hmm. and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So the apartment thing is great. If yep. we had another five to seven thousand units for apartments, that is going to put down a pressure on rent. Mm -hmm. What it's not going to do is it's not going to put down a pressure on home prices for condos, townhomes, etc. That's where the Biden administration and their bill can potentially help yes. by help by converting. The problem is, and people are wondering, like, why haven't we done this before? We've known that commercial real estate is just trash right now. So it seems it, it would make a lot more sense if somebody owns a commercial building, why not just convert it to multifamily so they can make money? Mm -hmm. Because converting it doesn't match the ROI, right. which and is a return on investment, right? right. So it, to it's convert- It's cost you a lot to convert it. To convert a building, it's upwards of $500 a square foot. If they kept it at an office with the, with the vacancy rates as they are right now, the return on investment between converting it into a multifamily unit versus keeping it as an office are identical. So there's no incentive to do it because it's expensive to do and you're actually not even better off other than like time and energy, but it's the same if you just left it as an office and had Take lower vacancy rates. Take yep. the depreciation and you're gonna spend money to maybe potentially break even. Correct. When if you have, all right, a 1200 square foot office space, mm -hmm. Rents on that are going to be eight grand. Yep. If you take that same 1,200 square foot, 
your rents are like mm, twelve hundred. Right. Yep. It doesn't make sense. Right. And so a lot of the a, a lot of the owners are going to say, well, I'm going to wait it out. People are going to come back to the workforce. I'm, uh, you know, they're going to start working in the offices again. That's not happening. So no, exa- and that's what, exactly what, the thing. What do we right? do? If we were at a point where the only way to do were, it is to incentivize. Well, and that's what I was going to say is yes. where. Where to exactly to your point, Oscar, the way that this would not, you know, that this would be just a no-brainer, yeah, and we're not doing that, is if people were getting, if companies were getting people back to offices, they're not, okay? Elon Musk, like, famous, famously, like, sent out an email, if you don't want to come back, people quit. <laughs> like, they, cool, they I ain't going to come back then. Yeah, I don't want to come back, right? So, like, now, again, just guys, we, 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 the people, have the power, right? You don't want to go back to commercial buildings? Guess what? Those commercial buildings are suffering and those people aren't making money. Now you have the perfect storm of government subsidy, money going in, and they're going, hey, look, guys, we need the inventory, so we're, we're going to back you a little bit. We're going to give you some money towards that. Now, to the businesses' minds, where Oscar just said, that $600 difference between $1,800 and, and $1,200, or excuse me, the, the what did you say, $8,000 to rent it, $1,200, now that goes, okay, this is a little easier to bite. Yeah, make some pennies, making some pennies are better than no pennies, yep. but at the same time, a lot of your savvy business owners will take a tax break. Yes, exactly. And, and well, you exactly. know what? The government may not make money, but they're given an incentivized mm-hmm. proposition to these investors that, okay, well, I'm going to save money too. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're not going to make money. I'm going to save money. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's see if we can make this work. And uh, shout out to Jameson because he's been saying this since episode two or three. The one thing that we're going to be able to, that would help housing is incentivizing builders to make multifamily mm-hmm. and, and more single-family, multifamily homes, right? It. But the this only is, way to do it is via the government. And the exactly. only way to get that passed because the government is funded on what? Your tax dollars. Mm-hmm. You have to be educated and understand where your money is going. These two entities are playing, they're, they're playing business with your money. Yeah. Dude, here's the deal. This is my, it's probably the last thing I'm going to say on this. Well, hold on. Is this a one rock takeaway no, level? No, this is just me okay. being irritated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see far too many people arguing both sides of this argument on Facebook and Nextdoor and not fucking voting. Yeah, go out and vote, people. That's it, dude. I don't care what side you're on. It is every time we get a vote, there's a ballot. It goes to your mailbox. You then open it. You then read through it. Then you can do other research. And, like, I'm looking at it just right now, right? And this is just a bill that's that's talking specifically about the More Housing Now bill that Colorado wants to pass. Mm -hmm. I would venture to guess that of all the people that are spray-painting (laughs) <laughs> containers about I want more affordable housing have no idea what is in this build or I mean what is in this bill and yeah. how it's going to actually help they probably don't know the definition of an inclusionary zone for for multifamily housing and affordable housing they, they don't look, they don't know what it is they don't know that this bill is saying hey it's adjustable based on the market so if I'm in a hot market like Boulder Colorado then my inclusionary zoning ordinance is going to say 25% of new builds have to be a certain level of income and uh, income-driven housing versus if I'm in Littleton and it's not as hot of a market, it's only 5%. That could easy. I came from Littleton. That, but, but that makes sense. No, I'm saying hot. Like, <laughs> like there's that. just, it's, Littleton can expand. It's, mm-hmm. the, the market is not no, nearly as tight. tight but, but the yeah, beauty of it is, like Oscar said, everything's hyper-local. Well, they're trying to introduce a bill that allows cities to mandate what that looks like based on the individual market, not the state legislator, I guarantee nobody knows what that fucking means. Yep. Right. And it's okay. Let me, let me let you in on a little bit. Of I don't what, think it's okay. Well, well, no, no. It's okay that you don't know because 
Let me let you in on what happens in the Ibarra household. My wife. It's okay you don't know if you're not complaining well, about yeah, it, but yeah. if you're complaining hold on, hold about on, it, you on, don't know. On, It'll tie mm. back in, baby bird. I'm going to feed you. Hold on. <laughs> in my household, I'm inundated right, with quite. my day-to-day, right? My day-to-day. My wife, uh, she watches our children, but she's the one with master's degree, bachelor's degree, educated woman. Um, when it comes down to voting, this is what we do. We grab the ballot. We grab the education they give us. And then we fact check everything. Mm-hmm. We spend time, her and I, mm-hmm. whether we agree on something or not, I would love to say that we vote the same. No. But we sometimes don't. It's the beauty of voting, though. But we, we educate ourselves. Yep. We pick a day. Mm-hmm. We're going to vote today. And then we go line item. And this is what this means. This is what it means to me. These are my values. She has her own values. We come to an agreement. That's how we vote. In our household, that's what we do. I don't know these things off I the bat. To, well, this no, guy I, is a freaking <laughs> human thesaurus. He absorbs knowledge like a crazy man. You've seen I, me and this guy try to do a podcast. <laughs> our, our mindset yeah, but is even, we, even we, don't, still, we don't function that way. But so even still, it's, it's doing the way. research. Do well, some research. You know what I mean? Like, bring, it, bring it to the table. Do your research. How do you feel about it? And then vote. Just be proactive on voting and Vo- and get yourself educated t- on the on the subject. Like, to your point, it takes here, a day. Like, I, I That's used it. to. I I live with I live with three other guys at one point uh, when I first moved out here, and it always blew my mind. And it, it to the point where like I had to sit in my room and breathe for a couple minutes. The ballot would come through the blue the blue piece of mail with the eagle on the front and the banner. I'd pick it up and go, oh cool, put it in my room, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read through this. Right in the garbage. They just throw it right in the garbage. Oh man. And I'm like. This is your future. <laughs> like, this is, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And, and it's just, but it's again, a, we, it's, we a, talk it's a about right it. that yes. a lot of people get revoked mm-hmm. for dumb decisions that they do. Yep. And it, it does factor in what this future holds for you. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And if you guys want one number that kind of describes in Colorado specifically, right? We're Colorado realtors. So this is kind of our wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. When we talk about why we rant and rave about creative and new ways, whether it's, accessory dwelling units, whether it's zoning ordinances, whether it's OTMs, right? HH. Um, Prop HH, like all these different things. The reason we, we go on about it is because all we hear is affordability is at a, at this point, I think we're almost at a 30 year low. Yeah. Right. Since the mm-hmm. 1980s, 1990s, we have not seen affordability this bad. And I, I, I want people to understand <laughs> that it's the world's simplest equation. Right, you guys can overcomplicate it. You can say it's this administration. You can say it's this war in the Middle East or whatever. All it is is we just have more demand than we have supply. Mm-hmm. That's it. So my mantra in life is like just keep it simple, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you just boil it down, we need more housing. Therefore, we need to vote and find different ways that make sense to bring more housing to people so that it becomes more affordable. That's it, okay? In Colorado alone, since 2007, if you annualize (laughs) the new housing being built since 07 till now, annually, 46% less building. Wow. In that same time frame. That's a lot. Annually, every year, which that's what annually means, the population has grown at 3%. So I'm, I'm almost We're 50% at less seams. building per year. But in that same time frame, I'm increasing my population 3%. So if you guys want to do simple math, 
it's a 53% spread mm-hmm. is what we're dealing with. And we have been dealing with since 2007. And in Denver alone, if you're looking at 4.3 million and you do 3% on 4.3 yeah. million, 10% is what? 40, 43,000. So let's go, let's go 20, 25,000. We're, we're, we're just going to throw it out there at three. It's probably even lower than that. That's how many people you're adding. Right. Per, per year. Like right. It's, if, it's if actually, more. you're adding more, probably more than that. But yeah. so here's, if you guys aren't real numbers, not percentage, because like, oh, I don't know where your numbers come from. Do we from. need to talk about contraceptive? What's going well, on? Here's, <laughs> here's the real number, right? So before 2007, Relocation people. Relocation. before 07, we averaged 48,000 new homes being constructed in Colorado every single year. Since then, 26,000 every Which year. Which is wild because when I first moved here five years ago, if you would have put your pulse on, on Coloradans and how they thought people were moving here, mm-hmm. they would have thought that it was, everybody's moving here and we're building too much and it's getting taken over. And it's like, n- no, you know, like it, it, based on the numbers, it's yes, more people are moving here. And like Oscar said, you're stressing a small city, big, big city feel kind of thing. But at the end of the day, that just goes to show right there. You think more people are moving in. Things aren't getting built. Things aren't, they, there's nowhere for their, them to live. So we love to compare Colorado to California, right? Yeah. You, you're a native. Get mm-hmm. the goddamn Californians out of here. They don't know how to drive. <laughs> them in Texas. That's been the talk. Joke, right? That's been the talk for like 20 years. Okay. So here's the deal. If we don't want to become California, this is what happens. So California right now, the average home is about $200,000 to $230,000 on average more than a home in Colorado. In order to... Which is not a lot. In order to balance that out so we don't go that way... We have to double annual housing production within the next three years. Mm-hmm. Double. Well, if the zoning <laughs> ordinances that are currently in place do not physically allow us to build more housing, then guess what? Yes, you are now Califorado, well, Colorado, <laughs> so whatever and, the fuck and, and you want to call it. We don't have to build more. All we have to do is change zoning. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. But in order to build more, Let me we office. have to change I'm zoning. Ready. Let's yeah. go. Right, right, I, right. I went to high school with, 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 with a couple of Fuck, young ladies dude. that are doing a pretty good job. They may, we may not see eye to eye, but they're at least doing something. I'd like to talk to you. And here's you know the deal. Who you are. The reason we talk about this, and we've, we've said this on multiple podcasts. Mm-hmm. I can pull it up. I'm just going to paraphrase. The average amount of wealth a homeowner has versus a renter is almost a $400,000 difference, mm-hmm. okay? $400,000. If you don't think that's not life-changing money that you can use down the road, which we've talked about in different podcasts, there's something wrong with your brain, okay? The equation like, for net wealth. I'm sorry, there it's is. Everything your that net, you your right. average net wealth right. of a homeowner versus renter, there's such a disparity. So in my head, my goal would then be, let's get people to be homeowners yes but in order to do that they have to be affordable in order to be affordable we have to build more and in order to build more we have to figure out the zoning regulations and creative ways where the government can subsidize whatever that looks like to get to that point all right vote done we are all right we are i whatever we're We're an hour and 10 minutes in i don't know i'm just saying we're we're, this this part we can talk about literally angry right we can literally talk about the next four hours so i think this is a great time to move into our one rock takeaway (sighs) Um, Jameson, you, Seven you're, six, you're yeah. stewing. Yeah. So, uh, stewing. do you want to, do you want to take it first or do you want to wait on it? No, I want to take it first because right, I just, it. I want to lay this out again, just so it's very, very clear. The argument is affordability. The solution is supply. Okay. In Colorado specifically, and really throughout the nation, 
the, the solution to supply is build more housing. The solution to building more housing is to change zoning so it accommodates so, such building. And the solution to changing zoning is to vote for the things that make sense for all the preceding things I just said. So the rock takeaway is do your research, vote, and understand that there are things that people are trying to pass to make housing affordable that a lot of people are just not paying attention to. I like it. That's it. Oscar, yeah. you want to go? Uh, I agree. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the bigger picture matters. Um, it might not be... It may not be in conjunction of what your beliefs are, but we look at the bigger picture, even if it's gonna cost you a little bit, but educate yourself and play devil's advocate for both sides and say, you know what, for the, for the greater good, let's do this because I may win in the long run. Yeah. Uh, um, real quick, I agree with that. I'm just gonna go, I, I love my boomers, right? He's, he's angry. The, he's gonna one give of the greatest generation. Anyway. <laughs> but most boomers have grandkids now. Yep. It's between yeah. five, seven, 10 years old. And there's a lot of boomers that won't, that don't want to change because they have their dream home and they've got their space and they've got their views and all these different things. Damn, you went deep with this. But we're going to lead with this. Think about the grandkids. Okay. My, my kid just turned four. She's going to, hopefully I can set her up where I have a rental house for her and we're in tune with the markets. We can make those, make those decisions. But let's say you're not. When Kieran is 22, the average home price is going to be at current rate. $1.2 $1.2 million. Do you think a 22-year-old is going to be able to afford $1.2 million? No. And the people that have the biggest, I think, effect on whether that's going to come to fruition or not are the people that are refusing to vote for the zoning changes to allow more housing to be built. Which Nailed is the baby it. boomer. Which and that's, is, what, like, that, that's it's what grand, I'm saying. It's, it's, it's the grandparents. bigger picture, right? Sorry, you it know, is. Nolan right now, my, my five-year-old, Nolan, he's, he understands. Yep. Yep. He understands money. He understands a lot of stuff. To a point where it's kind of weird and funny at the same time. I'll, I'll, put, I'll pull some TikToks. Um, but, yes, the bigger picture, right? Yep. Uh, it, it might not align with our, with our beliefs now. But, again, the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. We both have young children. Hopefully one day you'll have some. And um, that might be what we're leaving behind. We talk about legacy, right? Yep. yep. Um, it's what we leave behind for the better good of maybe our children. Let's not yeah. just take, talk about humanity. Let's start with something that's heartfelt. Start small. Well, <laughs> and, our, our and that's where, you know, for you know? me, my one wrong takeaway, and this and is going to be, this is going to be me going, but I want to go back to the, to the picture that we showed and I talked about, you know, build more affordable housing. Um, housing. 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 Right. Um, <laughs> sounds like house. a coffee guys, in, does, guys, in, <laughs> in, in times like this, where we have such a division, where we have an opportunity for growth, where in all reality, if you are not educated, if we the people are not knowledgeable of what's going on, we will, our, chi- our children, our grandchildren will suffer because we are not educating ourselves. And if you are a person that is writing build affordable housing on a storage container, I feel your pain. I understand your frustration. We're with you too. But at the end of the day, educate yourselves. Go to a library. Look up, guys. This 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 bill Hell, that Biden us. passed, right? And everything going on. I legitimately I looked this up, and it took me thirty to forty-five minutes of in-depth reading and just searching and looking up different things to fully understand the capabilities of what this is. So my one rock takeaway is education, education, education. Take the opportunity to, treat, to teach yourself because that is the only way as a community, as a group of people, we are going to make it better for ourselves. The more knowledgeable you are, the more armed you are, 
the better you can vote, the better you understand, and the better it will get for all of us. You know what's super The ironic? views and representations of Charlie Sandelli and the Biden administration <laughs> do not represent or... Rep or <laughs> Real estate served on the rocks. Listen, man, we're just trying to help people, yeah, okay? Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Every and, once in a while. This is not political. You, no. Yeah. I don't, every once in a while. You don't you, have to like the Biden administration. Well, it doesn't matter aside, what. Let's find it. out. Let's find out what they're, they're, what they're trying you to do. You guys have both run it, and I have as well, run into scenarios where sometimes people just have to get slapped in the face mm -hmm. with truth. That's mm -hmm. it, right? The most ironic thing to me about your picture with the storage container yeah is that I can go out right now, okay? Go get a personal loan. I could buy, I don't know, five of those storage containers at about $8,000 a piece. So what is that? Eight times five is 36,000 bucks? Mm -hmm. Okay. I can go buy Math a piece of land okay. right now for, call it $100,000, maybe a quarter of an acre for 100 grand. So now I'm in at 180, okay? I can then hire a company that will fabricate storage those container storage containers <laughs> into a house. And let's say that's going to cost yep. me $250,000. Two bottles of bourbon. I am now. I got the, I got the tools in I my am basement. Now, I've been building I am out. all now we'll in. It. Listen, I am now in for under $400,000 on a quarter of an acre, okay, with utilities, tap fees, everything, in a furnished building yep. that's like almost 3,000 square feet for under $400,000. But instead what you did was you took a can of spray paint and said build affordable housing without doing the fucking research to go hmm i wonder who owns this maybe i can fucking buy it from it maybe we can fabricate it i don't know it's just like yeah mm. yes so um, i'm saying like but fuck i think i think now is a perfect time don't do the 1980s in. robocop thing I, detroit right. sucked then and it kind of still sucks now as I think you get yourself and I think it's a good time to get away from get, the, in get away from the real estate Speaking conversation. Of Eminem, getting, Eminem uh, opened his mom's Mom spaghetti. spaghetti. Yeah. You see that? Yeah, that's dope. But Speaking now, of Detroit, let's, let's go ahead. Eminem and, and Key Rock, baby, right? all day. Let's go ahead and move into the bourbon review for today's episode. Um, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to try the open, the one that's been sitting all. The, that's the whole the time. Neck too. Um, yeah, it is the neck pour. That is the little, the one that's sitting here on the table is the literal. I neck tell you pour. what, I, I know the people that have no video and the lip smack and that's me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very lip smacking bourbon. Yeah, I'm like, it's tasty. It's tasty and it's kind of like, mm, mm -hmm. it's kind of dry, but at the same time, make my mouth water. It's it's it's, it's cool. I will say the the I've one thing I've never had old elk and. I'm glad we had right? it. Right? Yeah, it's a good... It, it was... Again, thank you guys for sending the bottle. This was a pleasant surprise. Um, I will say that as a traditional bourbon, um, this does lean on the sweeter side. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if, if you were going to take this compared to a Dexter... Um, See, I thought De Dexter was sweet. So Dexter, yes. Yeah. But what I mean is when you look at the mash bill... Right. As far as 95% yeah, 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 weed yeah, yeah. versus yeah. corn. So if you're somebody that's like a ah, pure bourbon drinker, this is going to be naturally sweeter Correct. because of the wheat that's used and yes. how they make it. Yeah. And when he says sweet, it's not like sugar sweet to your tongue. It's just no. sweeter notes and flavors notes. within the bourbon. Yeah, yes. you got to be a, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very different than a mm -hmm. high rye mash bill, like 180 different. Yes. But Absolutely. I think it lends itself to a unique taste. Yes. Um, I 100% I can see why they trademark the, the mm -hmm. slow cut or, or the slow um, proofing because you definitely, especially as this opened up and it sat here a little bit longer, again, something that, and we talk about my palate, sweet, Jameson, you're, you're same as sweet, Oscar, yep. you're, you're a little bit more savory, yeah, more, savory more, more bitter. This one, it started sweet, and as it opened up, 
the sweetness definitely enhanced. I don't know if you guys got that, but the sweetness definitely sits in your mouth a little bit more as it opens, but it makes so much sense with the slow proofing method because yeah. that's what they're trying to preserve is that flavor, is that evolution of those smaller notes, which usually in a bottle of bourbon, bourbon is sweetness. So right? what, I, what I found on this bourbon, it's, it has the drinkability of say a larceny, right? Mm -hmm. High weeded. Um, with me, it was not quite my wheelhouse, but it engaged me with uh, that kind of almost peat leathery, mm -hmm. that, that, okay, I like it's it. It's that aftertaste. Yeah, was, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the literally, the, it's the lingering and, flavor on the tongue and the that I can sit there and just, that I got yep, yeah. at the beginning, yep, right? Yep, agreed. Um, as it opened up, I held it in my hand, it warmed up. It was more of a um, mute everything. I, I got the wheat. The yeah. wheat, um, mm -hmm. and when, when I say wheat, uh, obviously I have farmers in the family. If you ever went out to the wheat fields and you grab, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> there's ranchers and farmers in my family, right? Shoot me, hell yeah! If you ever got, you have, you have the most diverse background I of anybody I've ever met in my entire life. I got ranchers in Florida. That's how diverse it is. I got ranchers in Florida. I got cartel members in Sinaloa. I mean, I no, really no, no. span this. Nothing to do with the Sinaloa cartel. Let's, let's, get that, let's get that off the table. Zero Sinaloa cartel. Those guys are their own thing. I respect them. I have zero on there. No, but, They send me birthday so cards it, and Christmas cards. That's it, okay? If you, ever, if, it. You ever, if you ever got some wheat and you actually bit into it and you got the yeah, the dough or whatever the the wheat out of it, that's kind of what lingers from this bourbon. Yes, with me. yeah. As we talked, yeah. mm -hmm. as I talked, as my mouth dried out, that was a prominent, and it's not a bad thing. No, no. not it's at not, all. It's not my typical go-to, but it's definitely something where I could sit here and drink the rest of that bottle if you want me to. Mm -hmm. It was good. None yep. of us would be driving home. And probably <laughs> not. <laughs> nope. Nope. You have the furthest drive. You definitely yeah. wouldn't be driving. I got, I got a meeting after this, so we're good. We're good. Right. But no, I, and I mean, it, to your point, Oscar, it's for me, this, this bottle is the most barrel flavor that yeah. I think that I've had in all the bourbons that, we, that we've tasted. And I think it's due to that slow cut. I definitely, like, a lot of the time we see, like, you know, in, in flavor descriptions, we see oak or we see, you know, cedar, whatever, maple wood, whatever it is. But this one it genuinely, the sweetness hits forward, then you get some more of that, like you said, that peat, that dryness, but then as it sits, I, it's almost as if I'm tasting the char. Mm -hmm. Like I can 100% taste the barrel, and it's yep. almost as if, like if you've ever bitten on a dry piece of wood, that flavor that you get afterwards, that's what it sits. It's sweet, but it sits in that, in that wood kind of, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, almost, I don't wanna say sponge, but like, like grain mm -hmm. like just just wood grain just overall flavor of the wood i used to with me it's the grain and like the doughy flavor it's mm -hmm. i just come back to the doughy flavor of the wheat that comes back to me so fun fact uh people used to make fun of jc and i all the time because we always had to have something in our mouths whether yeah. it was a plastic fork or a toothpick a pen cap or a pen cap something <laughs> yeah. right yeah. So our big Sigmund thing was... Sigmund Freud would say... I, yeah, there's something. I don't know. <laughs> he would say, you want more affordable housing built, I think is what the <laughs> so, psychological profile would be. Uh, I think that's what it was. Um, but I, you, I, was, I chew toothpicks all the time. Mm -hmm. So I get, when you say that, undescribable or indescribable like taste of grain, mm -hmm. I equate it to like a toothpick. Yep. Where, like, I don't... 
eat wood. Okay? <laughs> I don't. However, if I, I chew on a toothpick, there is a certain flavor mm -hmm. that my brain goes, you should continue to smell, chew right? I don't eat on this toothpick, but right. I've mowed the lawn yes. and the, the <laughs> exactly. smell of that yes. equates yeah. to flavor. Right? So I see when you're talking about that kind of, that you can taste the, the wood and the char, mm -hmm. I equate it to like almost tasting a toothpick. And I'll be honest, you go to different restaurants, some toothpicks suck. Picks, yep. Some toothpicks are really good. Some are harder. You know some what I'm saying? And you're like, faster. is this a, yeah, a, a tea tree? Because it tasted. Yeah. yeah. So no, I I get that 100. Yeah. percent I my thing with this, and I don't I don't want to give a rating yet because I want all of us to try the, the open one. The open, yeah. And I want the price, but mm -hmm. I'm ready to give a rating. I'm I ready to give a rating. I know. Here's my thing with this. I normally, if it's 100 proof, 50 percent. If it's a six year, I would immediately say this is going to appeal to somebody that drinks and enjoys bourbon. Yep. That's normally what I would say. With this, though, I almost think this is one of the most well-rounded bottles we've had mm -hmm. to where I would be comfortable giving this to somebody who is just getting into bourbon mm -hmm. as much as I would feel comfortable giving it to somebody like you or Oscar yep. and saying, hey, guys, I found this bottle. I really want you guys like to try it. it. Because I, I just, the spectrum's so wide. The diversity for it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of where my head's exactly. at. Exactly. You yeah. know what right. I mean? Absolutely. All right. So, Jameson, you got to finish your, oh, your are pour we, there. Yeah, yeah we got to. All right, we're going to get it done. Oscar's got to Oscar's gotta go to the, to the little boy's room. Oh. But. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Just give me the whole fucking thing. Pastry <laughs> cinnamon. All right, so James and Oscar is, have the shortest drive. So, so here you go. <laughs> so we poured we poured it out. Uh, this is the this is the the glass that had been sitting open the entire Sorry. time. If you, um, if you guys aren't watching the video and you're just listening, uh, Charlie was about to introduce the one that's been open the whole time, and Oscar just fucking <laughs> took it hit to it. The face. <laughs> I had to hit it, man. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, all right. straight to the face. I mean, so the nose, the burn. Honestly, it makes sense. The burn opened up on the nose. It does. With the yeah, one that's sitting. It did. I was going to say, it kind of, it, the, the burn lingered in my Well, tongue. it's been sitting for, Longer. shit, almost an hour and a half. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm going to go ahead and just just. I almost wish I had one. like a palate cleanser, but can I'm it, Yeah, like a coffee or something. Some wasabi. Coffee? Or not wasabi. Really? Ginger. All right. So, I'm going to give it a rating. Wow. That, I took it back. That Wow. Um, that's wild. The stuff yeah. that, that opened up the, kind of had more burn. But more not, burn. Not, not in a, oh my God, it more, makes me cough, but like it's more good. weedy. Yeah. Yes. More earthy. I was going to say, it, way got, more it got way more earthy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. I yeah. dig it. <laughs> okay. Like you said, someone introduced you to bourbon. This would yes. be a, a good high proof. Oh, one. man. Like, dude, it's you different. Open the bottle, you, give yeah. it, you, get, you open the bottle, give it to somebody who doesn't drink bourbon, and they're going to go, oh, wow, this is dope. You open the bottle, let it sit, open, sit for a little bit, and you, you give, give it to somebody, somebody does, who yes. drinks bourbon, they're going to yep. go, hmm. Wow, this is complex. Still has a yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this 100 proof, six year minimum aged. The price of this bottle right now, if you look retail, sits at on their website 69.99. Okay. The Dexter that that we compared to 58. It was 63 where I got it. Or is what 63. Okay. 63. So I mean, it, let's oh, let's go. Man, yeah, it's, dude. It's, it's a hard one. All right, All right, Oscar. I know you're ready to go. So go for it. Three and a half. Three and a half. I like it. Really? I like it. Yep. Really? <laughs> what? I'm I'm just because no. I could open this up and weather. Mm. Coffee. Weather. After breakfast. Depending on what I'm doing and, and the mood, 
this will change. With a cigar, it will change. And I like the versatility of it and the drinkability of it. I if like, it was like in my face, that part of your face, rating was after breakfast. <laughs> there's days where I need some bourbon after breakfast, okay? Hey, hey maple. Like I said, you know what? Make other people have syrup? other vices. If I need some bourbon after breakfast, yeah, shoot me. It's you not know, always, if but it's yeah. snowy out, if it's 6 hey, a.m. Before breakfast, I like to drink my bourbon just to, you know, to get a little bit of appetite. Right. No, it's usually, I'm responsible. After breakfast, I may have some bourbon. Great. If I'm on vacation, I'm definitely going to have some bourbon That's after right. breakfast. That's right. Oh, my God. That was That's the greatest. Three and a half. Three and a half. It's a All very right. versatile right. bourbon. Um, I think it opened up weird for me. Mm-hmm. But... What, what gave it a three and a half is the versatility that it wasn't as complex as I like my bourbon, but I sat here and drank it, and the fact that all I could think about was wheat and the doughiness of it, I like it. Yes. Yeah. Makes would, sense that the wheat that they use. I would use. definitely buy it because it wasn't a kick yourself in the face, no. 100 proof bourbon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, yep. The drinkability was awesome. I'm, I'm going to go that, ahead. That, I think that is what... Held the rating it. for me. Yeah. The drinkability, and it was 100-proof. I think at the price point, um, for what it does, and, and and this is where, for me, you know, like I said, being being a bartender, I talk about it all the time, these these premium top-shelf bourbons that we had one bourbon that put a oak stick in the bottle. We have another one that talks about the sticks that they do with, with certain distilling processes. I I respect what they're doing um, with, with the cold proofing. Just the way that it developed, the way that it opened – I, I, I think I'm going to sit at about a 2.8 okay. on, on this rating okay. for sure. Because like Oscar said, you can give it, you can, it opened up. I will say it, it I did not, I expected it to get sweeter as it opened, but this yeah. definitely opened to more yeah. of a complex bourbon. And I could, I could appreciate that. Yeah. It held its own. Yes, exactly. It held exactly. its own. Um, and to the price point, yeah, I, I think I'm sitting at a 2.8. So this is funny. I, I think at this point, right, 44 bourbons in, I like the makeup of this because I think our palates, like you're on one spectrum, side of the spectrum, you're on the other side, like you're rye, mm-hmm. like that's your jam. And you I, are more weeded. Yes. Mm-hmm. I tend to be in the middle between mm-hmm. the two. So normally our ratings kind of reflect that. Yeah. This is the first time, Oscar, I am very far apart from you on the rating. And I'm not, I'm trying to figure out why, I'm not really sure. I'm at a two and a half. Yeah. So I, I rate this the same that I rated Dexter. And you haven't tried Dexter. So I haven't. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't have that, that context. But if when I talk, because you said it was complex, but it wasn't complex enough for you. I got the opposite. I thought this was one of the most complex bourbons that yeah. I've had. And I think it's because I'm, my palate's in between you guys. So I appreciate the sweetness, but I also appreciate the dryness and the charcoal and the earthy tones a little bit more. Um, and then I look at it and go, okay, would I, would I make this, put this in a drink? 100%. Mm-hmm. Like this, so my, my brother-in-law, shout out Derek, if you're watching this, um, he bartended a party in Castle Pines and he made a homemade syrup for old fashions. I'm going to bring it next week because I, I, make, whole, I make my own I have a whole gra- growler right so okay. he doesn't use simple syrup this is a syrup and it is like an apple cider whoa 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 when you say syrup not simple syrup not simple syrup he makes his own syrup his own syrup Dang. Okay. and this All shit right. that is be, we had it on Sunday elevate the shit out of we it. had it on Sunday <laughs> and I was like holy fuck you need to bottle this and sell it 
because it is so good. But I had it with Uncle Nearest 1864, which we also rated Delicious. very high. Yep. Okay, The higher proof is 100 proof. Yep. I love me some And Uncle we have that in an old fashioned. And I think this is more complex than the Uncle Nearest. Mm-hmm. Right? I do. Yeah. Um, I, me personally. Right. If I pair this with, with my brother-in-law's syrup, this would make one of the best old fashions. And then if you take it and you smoke it with some cherry wood, mm-hmm. dude, this could be one of the one best, best cocktails yeah. I've ever had. Yeah. So... For that reason, and I'm looking at it, it's like, okay, would it be good with this? Then if I want to pour it in Manhattan, would it be good with that? If I put it on ice, would it be good? I think this lends itself, and I think my rating skewed because of the fact that I could give this to a one of us who's had tried 44 bourbons and somebody like Plus. my dad who doesn't love whiskey, but I think it's it's got such a range. It's like Mariah Carey. Right, like it's got, you know what I'm saying? Like it's got such a range that everybody's going to enjoy it. And they just it comes out around the holidays, and it comes out around the holidays. They just thought her out. You know what I'm saying? Like they just she's thought out Christmas is coming. Right. So I I just when I look at it, like it's like Volker range, dude. Like this would appeal to so, and it's affordable. It's not like Mm -hmm. it's a hundred proof that we don't we haven't heard a ton of old elk, and it's ninety nine dollars like Jefferson Ocean, right? Yep. It's it's 65, 69 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, and see, with me. Mm. And it's underproof. Like, that's, that's yeah, what I think that's what's getting me. That's what's getting me. For it being 100 proof. But for me, and this is only me, mm-hmm. I would obviously make an old fashioned out of anything. But I think this is too. The, the flavors for me are, are, are more on the delicate side that yeah. I think it would be too overpowering. And whatever you would put in the old fashioned would just be the old fashioned. Right. I would love to just drink this neat. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. I just, Absolutely. I have this, I'm going to bring it next week. Okay. And we're going to try do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, let's is, do it. Mm. Well, guys, Good. we've held you, we've held you here for an hour and a half. Thank you so much for sitting with us, drinking with us, talking about the real estate with us. Yep. Remember guys, you can catch us on YouTube at living in Colorado, the mile high perspective, like comment, subscribe, share it. If you have a bourbon that blew your mind, like it sounds like this one did for us. Let us know. We'd love to try it. Yep. Um, we have a couple more old elk bottles that we're. I'm gonna... glad we liked it because yeah. I would I would hate for it to be like oh man <laughs> yeah man elk. these next four episodes are garbage. Suck. Yeah, right? <laughs> I gave it to the other half. I, I do enjoy it, but I would love to enjoy it just neat. No, I, yeah, I like I, it for yeah, what it is. I think the ratings are good. Love yeah. it for absolutely. What it is. Well, guys, yeah. as always, remember you can reach out to us R E S O T R at themilehighperspective.com or give us a ring, text, whatever works best for you yep. at three zero three five seven eight zero two six three. And then social media wise, Oscar at OscarTheRealtor.com, Oscar at OscarTheRealtorCO. That lifting agent on Instagram and TikTok, Charlie Sardelli on Facebook. And then uh, the Colorado real estate guy on Instagram and on TikTok, Jameson Amaros on Facebook with Fathom Realty. And then I, real quick shout out, Charlie, you keep talking about your videography uh-huh. side <laughs> hustle. Where, where, if they want to see the things that you do with a camera, mm-hmm. how can they find you? Look for me on LinkedIn um, or Facebook, BTG Productions on Facebook, or look up Charlie Sardelli on LinkedIn. That's where I do all of my videography, yep. marketing, promotions. Um, I'd love to help anybody out. Obviously, we do podcasts, podcasts, we do events, interviews, all that kind of stuff, um, brand story videos. But, guys, thank you so much for joining yep. us. This was a pleasure. It was great, um, man. This is awesome. Was I'm still awesome. angry, but it's great. Right? Cheers. <laughs> it's okay. Bourbon helps with that. Catch you next week. Cheers, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.